0: Welcome to the St. Martin's Challenge podcast, the podcast where we explore human nature in all its strengths and vulnerabilities, hosted by me, Lewis Owens. Okay, welcome everyone to uh, another episode. I'm delighted to have Diane Foley uh, with us here today. Diane is the founder and the president of the James W. Foley Legacy Foundation, which was set up in honour of her son, who. Very cruelly cool, lost his life in 2014. Uh, Diane, thanks ever so much for coming on. It's great to have you here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Now I want to talk about the the foundation and obviously the the incredible work that you do. But before we do that, take us back, Diane, if if you can, to the to the circumstances that uh, that led to Jim's death.
1: Sure. Um, Jim was a freelance conflict journalist um, who uh, had been working for the last eight years, really, in the Middle East and Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. And in the winter of actually uh, early uh, 2011, he first went into Syria, because at that time, um, word of uh, Arab Spring was occurring. And Jim wanted to cover a lot of what was happening in the Syrian people's fight for freedom, if you will. And because it was fairly dangerous, um, a lot of staff reporters were actually leaving the country. So there was a bit of a black hole in terms of information. So a lot of freelancers eager to um, report on what was going on um, were flooding into the country from the Turkish border. And Jim was one of them and, He was in and out um, throughout the year of, actually, I said 2011, it would have been 2012, I apologize, 2012, um, in and out of Syria, um, was very interested in what was going on, because um, he felt it appeared that the people of Syria had experienced a lot of oppression and were really looking for freedom, so He was very interested in the plight of the people. Um, And as it went on, it did get more and more dangerous and um, citizens were bombed. Hospitals were full of suffering, you know, children who were maimed and starving people. It became obviously more and more acute. Um, At the end of November of 2012, um, Jim was kidnapped. Only a few miles from the Turkish border, mm. and at the time of his kidnapping, he was with um, actually your British citizen John Cantley. That's right, and um, and we never heard from him again.
0: This this was obviously um, something of, of immense suffering for for you as well. Did did you feel, Diane, that you? Um, Received sufficient support when uh, when Jim was first taken.
1: Our country did not seem to be really prepared to help. Um, we were told not to tell anybody about mm. his kidnapping. So we did not all through the Christmas holidays and New Year's, we didn't talk to anybody, just our closest family, um, hoping for some word on Jim. We received a lot of rumors. Um, mm. FBI w- did get in touch with us and um, but did not go in country for three weeks. And the person who was assigned to us did not know Arabic, did not know the area, actually suggested I should talk to President Assad for help. Mm -hmm. Um, Very unaware of the situation in Syria. So it was a very frightening time. And therefore in early 2013, we um, did a, a public outreach to our um, U.S. and international media, just hoping that some journalists might possibly know where Jim was. Yeah. And actually throughout the spring of 2013, I, we did quite a bit of media hoping for some word on if Jim was alive and yeah. if so, where. So, um, and our country, you know, I did be also begin visits to Washington to remind people in Washington that Jim was still missing, but I really um, received very, uh, almost no information about where Jim was, if he was alive or not, um, FBI, asked us a lot of questions, anything we knew they wanted to know, but there was no information coming the other way. So it was a very, very frightening, lonely time. And um, I really did feel very alone. And we, I was shuffled back and forth between FBI or State Department Only twice did I get into the White House, and that was um, to see a national security advisor, President Obama's national security advisor, and was just sent back to FBI. So I really never felt heard at the highest level of our government and was never told um, uh, anything except that Jim was their highest priority. I was told that over and over. Hmm. but in practice it did not feel that way.
0: Okay now I I understand that um, a ransom was issued at some point as well for an astronomical fee. It's it's an incredibly complicated situation isn't it Diane because you've got yourself the loved ones that are you know probably shouting out pay the ransom pay the ransom and, and you've got the authorities on the other other side saying, well, if we do that, then of course, we could be um, potentially funding other atrocities. How did you reconcile that? Um, How did you balance those two conflicting uh, views in your own mind?
1: Well, there were a lot of issues um, regarding ransom. If we'd had the money or the ability to release prisoners or give them the millions of dollars they wanted, obviously, we would have in a minute. Mm. Um, Even though our government told us we could be prosecuted, um, we were threatened with prosecution for doing that. but to be honest, we, I trusted, our family trusted that our government would make good on their promise that Jim was the highest priority and that our government was, we trusted that our government was working behind the scenes to free him. And actually in 24, early 2014, we found out that Jim was not alone at all, but was with three other Americans, yeah. with three British citizens, and with some French, Spanish, Italian, Danish, and a German citizen. Mm. So Jim was one of 18 at one point, all our allies. And so um, in early 2014, when the French and the Spanish were released, we became very hopeful and hoped and expected our country to be engaged with the British and with others, to free our citizens. We never were really explain, explained that because our country was, was, would not negotiate with terrorists and had no intention of paying any ransom, that our citizens were not going to be negotiated for. But unfortunately, we really didn't know that till much, much later other countries directly engage with the captors, and we thought our country was doing that, but that was never the case.
0: Right. Um, and I guess yeah. that was one of the reasons why you, you established the, the foundation was to, to give more information and to, and to support journalists in many ways because we, we need journalists, don't we? I mean, they, they're always putting themselves in very dangerous, precarious, perilous situations for us, but it's, it's such a dangerous situation. Tell us a little bit more about what the foundation does and, and how you try to give support to journalists.
1: Sure. Um, within three weeks of Jim's murder, um, we felt it was necessary to do something of some good. Um, Jim would not have wanted us to wallow in the, in our horror and sorrow. He would have wanted something good to come out of his um, torture. And um, he was detained for nearly two years um, and starved before he was murdered. So we know, we knew that. So there were two things Jim was very passionate about. And one of them was certainly journalism. He felt that all people deserved a voice. And particularly vulnerable people in countries Mm. when they're suffering under oppression, which is in many ways how Jim viewed what was happening in Syria. um, He felt it was essential that the world Mm. knew what was going on. So Jim was passionate about journalists, and um, Jim's murder and the subsequent murder of his colleague Stephen Sotloff, and most likely John Cantley, really helped uh, us realize the incredible extra risk that freelancers take when they go into conflict zones, yeah. that staff journalists tend to have a security team with them tend to um, be very heavily protected with equipment, people, staying in safe places, et cetera, whereas freelancers go into these areas in a very vulnerable state, often on a shoestring budget. So the Foley Foundation was one of the first to help, we helped start the Alliance for Culture of Safety, which is an international alliance of press freedom groups, as well as um, freelancers and media organizations. And we still sit on that board and we try to increase access for freelancers to conflict, uh, to security training rather, security advice to editor um, advice, and also uh, medical um, insurance, which often they can go without. So um, we have developed an undergraduate and graduate um, safety curriculum for aspiring journalists or aspiring international workers mm-hmm. uh, or journalists rather um, so so that journalists will have the tools to know how to assess risk to know how to protect themselves to do all they can to safely report from dangerous parts of the world.
0: Sure are these programs purely just in the and U.S. The, at the other the moment, part of what
1: They are on our website. We have free curricula um, currently being used by many schools in the United States um, of America, yes. Um, But we are always open to international contacts. Um, We feel that often schools do such a great job preparing um, brilliant students to go out into the world, be they humanitarians or politicians or a diplomats or journalists, but that sometimes they do not give them uh, basic safety training. And so this is free for all, free for professors to integrate intercurricular, into their own curricula. And we often will go and speak um, on panels or Zoom calls or whatever to um, add to um, whatever the professor might need in terms of um, helping their students to raise awareness and to help them uh, desire to build these skills.
0: Wonderful. So if, so there's any, something- if, if there are any higher education um, institutions or professors that are, that are listening to this, they can go to your website, Diane, and, um, and the material is there for free.
1: It is, and they Wonderful. can be in touch with our pro, our education director, Tom Durkin. He's very actively engaged with many faculty and um, really trying to promote a culture of safety from the time um, students begin um, to want to go out into the world. Because we feel we need the goodness of our bright students going out into the world issues to be raised but we sure. need them protected we
0: need, them we need safe absolutely absolutely it, it sounds it sounds a wonderful initiative and I hope it takes off not just uh, furthermore in the, in the states but also worldwide as well because it's something that that's that's dearly needed um Diane obviously we're, we're coming unfortunately um rapidly to our to our 15 minutes already sadly uh, but of course yesterday was a um, quite a day in the United States, as, a, as you welcomed in Joe Biden. Um, do you see uh, a lot of uh, political hope forthcoming? You know, that being said, there's still quite a few many US citizens that are still detained uh, abroad. Um, are you hopeful that the yes. new administration will, will continue to make strides in that area?
1: Absolutely, there. That is the other half of our mission: is to advocate for freedom for all Americans who are unjustly detained or held hostage abroad. Currently, mm-hmm. we know of at least forty-three cases, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. We fear it's it's um, goes up to hundreds or thousands, yeah. often kept very private in hope of. Uh, private negotiation and release, but this is an issue that has been um, raised by the Foley Foundation for the last six years. We work very closely with our government. Um, President Obama did issue a presidential um, directive that helped us finally get a hostage recovery fusion cell a special envoy for hostage affairs and elevate this issue of international hostage taking to the white house so we work very very um uh strongly, if you will. Um, We have a representative in Washington who engages with government and with other hostage families. We do an annual research report to see how how our government and other nonprofits are doing in terms of helping bring um, vulnerable American citizens home and assist the families in the process.
0: So we're Wonderful. very busy, Lewis. Yes, sounds it, sounds it. And if anybody wants further information, they can go to um, jamesfoleyfoundation.org, which lists much of what you do and, and um, gives more information of, of the, the services that you, uh, you provide as well. Uh, now, Diane, at the end of every episode, I give our guests the opportunity to give a shout out to a couple of charities that may be meaningful to you. Any you'd like to shout out for?
1: Oh yes, there's so many, Uh, Uh, many that people would already know of. Certainly, Hostage U.S., which is an offshoot of Hostage International, Um, Reporters Without Borders, Committee to Protect Journalists. But two of my favorites are smaller ones. That one is called Med Child, which helps a lot of children who've been maimed um, and lost limbs in the process of the horror of wars, particularly in the Middle East. The other one is the Syrian emergency task force who's doing amazing work in mm-hmm. Syria. It's, um, those are two, those are some of my favorites. So that, that's
0: med, med Child and the Syrian uh, emergency, emergency
1: t- task force.
0: Fantastic. Yes, well, yes. Diane, I, I could speak with you for so long. It, it's such a, a harrowing story, but th- there's always hope that comes out of these stories. And I think what you've done is to show that out of, out of darkness can come hope um, for yourselves and also for others as well. And thank you so much for speaking so honestly and with such humility about something that's um, obviously I'm sure still very painful for you, but um, let's hope as things progress uh, that the the tide continues to turn and that those detained abroad can, um, can come back home sooner rather than later. So Diane Foley, thanks ever so much for joining us
1: well it's my pleasure and if i may just add our tagline is to inspire moral courage one person at a time and i feel like that's what you do with the saint martin's challenge to oh, challenge all of us to care about one another and to have the courage to help to listen and to care so thank you so much for your attention lewis oh, I do it's a pleasure
0: it. it's a pleasure all Bye the very now. best bye-bye you too